Good morning. Good morning and welcome to all the people here today, guests and visitors, and we also welcome those that are listening this morning on the radio. Only a couple announcements this morning to cover. Uh, the rose on the altar this morning is in honor of John and Norma Schreer's 63rd year of marriage on tomorrow, Monday, November 26th. Congratulations to them. Today, following worship service, we will decorate the church for Christmas. Anybody that uh, can, can and is able to help after church, uh, I'm sure the help would be much appreciated. <clears throat> and to all that can stand, we'll start with our call to worship. This morning come from Psalm 78, 1 through 7. <laughs> My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth to the parable. I will utter things of the old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from my descendants. We will tell our next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power is he decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children, so the next generation would know them. Even the children had to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. <coughs> they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but keep his commands. We will continue to stand and sing hymn number 234, Crown Him with Many Crowns.
Now we'll have greeting time as we ask the children to come forward for the children's message. Well, good morning, little ones. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Put your dress down. All right. So Pastor Joel has been spending a lot of time talking to the grown-ups about some of the things that they should do to be a good example for Jesus. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, what does this have to do with me? But do you know how to play copycat? No. Do you know how to play copycat? He does. Can you copy me? He's really good at it. (laughs) Copycat is simply that. If you copy what you see somebody doing. So if I'm hopping on one foot, what would you do? Yeah, you'd hop on one foot. If I was tapping my nose, what would you do? You'd tap your nose. Yeah. So that's kind of important. Because we as kids learn a lot by what we see and what we copy. So if we see our teacher being careful and safe then we know what it looks like and we can copy it, right? Okay. We learn a lot from the example of our families, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandparents, and that's kind of who Pastor Joel is talking to because we learn especially about how to be kind and how to show God's love through the example of our family. So Pastor Joel is encouraging them to be a good cat for you to copy. Okay. And when you copy them, he wants to make sure that you're copying the good stuff. Let's pray. Lord, help these little ones copy the best qualities we grown-ups can offer. Keep them safe, help them grow, and help them be more like you. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Nikki. For what I feel like is... Maybe the first time in, in a lot of weeks, uh, Jay doesn't have any names to share of soldiers who have died in service this past week. So let's take a moment and praise God for that. Um, what a wonderful thing to to know. Um, it's, 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 of course, a wonderful thing to, to be praying, can, to continue to pray for our soldiers, even, even without that reminder this morning. So let's pray for a moment before we sing our next song. Father, we thank you that uh, for those soldiers who serve and put themselves in harm's way, Lord, we acknowledge uh, week in, week out, those who have given their lives. Um, So this morning, with no names to share, we praise you and thank you for the safety and protection they've experienced this past week. We pray you continue to watch over them and continue to be with the families of those who are stationed overseas and are away, uh, especially over these holiday seasons. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing number 31, if you're able. Great is the Lord.
seated. Let's pray together. You are great, Lord, and you are worthy of our praise. And so we gather together here this morning, as well as uh, millions and millions of other Christians gathering at this very time to worship you and to praise your name. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, hear our praise and receive it, Lord. We ask for your blessing to be upon this time as we worship you with one heart, with one soul, with one mind, as your body of Christ here in this place. We ask, Lord, that you would, uh, that you would be with us. Uh, and Lord, we ask that on this day, this Christ the King Sunday, Lord, uh, help us to acknowledge you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Help us to remember that, that your kingdom is not of this world and that our, that we are ambassadors to your kingdom here in our communities and in this world. So Lord, help us to live out the values of your kingdom here in this place and in this time. And Lord, we do ask that, uh, that each each and every day, and, and with every passing moment, Lord, that, that the kingdoms of this world would begin to look more and more like the kingdom of God, and that the values that are expressed and known, Lord, uh, would, be, would be experienced here in this place. And so with that in mind, Lord, we do pray for our, those who are in authority over us, as your word calls us to do. Lord, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and so we ask that, that our earthly leaders and authorities would would have that same mindset would have that same approach to you and that we would have they would have a hunger and thirst after your righteousness and lord we ask that would be true for our our world our nation our state our community levels lord and that we would all uh and that like i said our 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 earthly kingdoms our earthly countries states communities would begin to look more and more like yours especially as we acknowledge you as king of kings and lord of lords Lord, we lift up our prayer concerns to you that are listed in our bulletin. Those that are represented there um, are dealing with health issues or other concerns, Lord. And so we ask for your guidance, your care, your healing to be with them. And Lord, help them to experience you as King, you as Lord, you as healer, even now in this day. And Lord, help us as your church, as your body, to be the answer to prayer when and where we are able. Lord, use us to fulfill your purposes here in this place. We pray all these things in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time. Thank you.
scripture today comes from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and, I am persuaded, now lives in you also. You may be seated. Thanks, Adam. Father, we thank you for this time to gather and praise your name. And I pray now that as we open up your word together, that you would uh, guide us, give us word, give, give me words to speak, and open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today is our last, is going to be our last sermon on our uh, cross-shaped family series. We've been talking all these last few weeks about uh, the different roles that, that uh, these family relationships fulfill and, and how we can best live those out as we're able. Uh, we've talked about family in general. We've talked about husbands, wives, parents, children. And now uh, we're going to wrap up talking about the wonderful joy that being a grandparent can be. Now, I, I'm going to talk a lot today about grandparents, and I, I want to preface a couple things here for us before we dig into what uh, God's Word has to say for us. One, I realize, is that grandparents come in all different shapes and sizes, right, in all different roles. And uh, there's no, like, one cookie-cutter uh, version of what a grandparent looks like. For some, grandparents are, are right close by and play kind of a interact on an everyday basis or weekly basis with their families, with their children and their grandchildren. Uh, for some, like uh, for our kids, our, our grand, their grandparents are a little further away. Uh, and so we don't get to see them as often, but though it makes those times that they are able to be here that much more special. Uh, we also realize that there's some grandparents that that are more actively involved in raising their grandchildren than maybe they expected to be at this point in their lives. That's a reality that many people are facing as well. Um, and then in addition to that, there's also... Uh, grand, there's those honorary grandparents, right? Those people that are, that are, that play that kind of grandparent role, even if they're not connected, uh, through, through family, immediate family relations. And so all of those, uh, different, uh, kinds of grandparents, uh, are important and they play an active role. And, and, and what we're going to be talking about today apply to all those different situations. It just may look a little different given uh, given what your particular situation is. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say before we before we dig in is that while while I'm going to be using the word grandparent a lot here, I think what we're talking about today <coughs> excuse me really extends to the the extended family as a whole. We're talking about grandparents but but these things can also apply to aunts and uncles to great-grandparents, to great-aunts and uncles, to cousins. like We're going to be talking about things that apply to, to family in general. And so while you may not have the title grandparent in front of your name, the, these things will apply to you as well. And of course, uh, we're looking at this from a, a larger perspective of the church as well. Now, grandparenting is very different than parenting, isn't it? For those of you who have had the joy of experiencing that. Uh, somebody told me once that grandchildren are the blessing that you receive for not killing your own kids, right? <laughs> you get to experience life, you get to experience that relationship maybe in a whole different way than you did when you were raising kids of your own. And so as we talk through these things, we're going to be looking at how being a grandparent maybe looks a little different than being a parent, although sometimes those lines are blurred a little bit as well. Um, the scripture puts it a little different way than what I just did in, in Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs 17, <coughs> excuse me, verse 8 says, Children's children are a crown to the age, and parents are the pride of their children. See, having, the scripture doesn't say a whole lot about the role of grandparents in particular, but we do get little snippets like Proverbs 17:6. That talks about that. Children's children are a crown to the aged. And we get passages like what Adam just read for you in 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 1. Paul here is writing to 
his protege to Timothy. And he, and he says he's thanking God uh, for the faith, the sincere faith that he sees in Timothy. And the thing I wanted to highlight, the reason why we chose this passage is notice where this sincere faith came from. It says, first, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. See, Timothy's, Timothy learned a lot. He, he knew what it was like to follow Christ from observing his, both his mom and his grandma. His grandma had a profound impact on his life and later on his ministry. And so we get little snippets throughout Scripture like that of, of that, the impact that a grandparent can have on a grandchild or, as I mentioned, an extended family member can have on, on a child. And so we're going to be looking today at kind of three different ways that impact can be experienced and lived out. And the first is that a grandparent can show Christ-like love to their family. And I want to say first to their, to their grandchildren. See, I talked last week, and I should say the last two weeks, about kind of the unique relationship of a parent to a child, right? A parent is, is that authority in a child's life, and a child should respond through, through honoring their parents, and, and we talked about obedience and discipline and those different things. Uh, and so a parent-child relationship is kind of, de- in a sense, defined by those maybe more rigid kind of concepts. And I would say a grandparent-grandchild relationship is you get to see a lot and experience a lot more of that grace and love than, uh, than maybe you did raising your own kids. Right? As, as grandparents, you get the joy of, of, of shoving those kids full of sugar and winding them all up and then sending them back home at the end of the day, right? You get to experience the joy of all, all the fun things parenting can be without all of those other maybe bigger responsibilities. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, so that, in a, in a sense, that what you're able to do as a grandparent is to extend that grace and that love and that mercy and that joy and, and experience that maybe in a little bit different way than, than a parent and a child can. Not, now, I do want to say that doesn't mean a parent-child relationship is devoid of joy and love and those different things. Of course, that is a central part of that relationship as well. But it just looks a little different, right? When you're a grandparent, when you have that opportunity to to just lavish love on those children in a way that, that you didn't get a chance to maybe as a parent yourself. You get to spoil them a little bit more, right? Get to experience the good parts of children. I would say that as, as a grandparent, you get to extend and the children get to experience that unconditional love, acceptance, a sense of belonging that all point to the love that they can know and experience in Christ. You know, that extended family is a picture of, of the love that we have in Christ. And so to be able to lavish that love and spoil your kid and, or spoil your grandkid and, 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 and express that is like pointing them to the joy and the love that we can experience in Christ and ultimately is fulfilled in a relationship with Christ. And so grandparents get to spoil their grandkids, get to extend that sort of Christ-like love to them, that unconditional acceptance and sense of belonging. But grandparents can also extend Christ-like love to their children as they are attempting to raise their kids in the Lord. And that, that Christ-like love to the children can be a, a huge, have a huge impact on them can be a source of support and encouragement as they face the challenges of raising a family of their own, as they face the challenges of, of what it is to live for Christ in a world and raise their family and be a, be a support for them. And so for a grandparent to, to extend Christ-like love to their children is to be a steady rock, to be that constant there to, to support and, and come alongside them as they attempt to live for Christ in this world. And in doing so, they're able to model Jesus for both their grandchildren and their children. It's all about pointing them to Jesus and demonstrating what a life lived for Christ looks like. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And so what a grandparent can do is come alongside their family and, 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 and live for Christ in such a way that it's modeling that for their parents and for, or for their children and their grandchildren. 
If you, have, if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn to Psalm 71 with me. Psalm 71 is a, a great, I would call it prayer for someone in, in a situation like this. <coughs> Excuse me, apparently I'm not quite over what I was dealing with last week. Psalm 71 is a reminder that God's not done with any one of us. That no matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what you're experiencing, that God is not through with you. I want to pick up in verse 5. The psalmist says, For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me and conspire together. They say God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly, God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, Sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds and yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation. Your mighty acts to all who are to come. See, God's not done with you yet. Maybe you've been through all those stages of life. You've, 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 you've gone through work. You've raised a family. You've seen them go off and start families of their own. And you wonder, what, what does God have left for me? What am I still doing here? Right? What purpose should, am I fulfilling? Well, this passage is a reminder that God's not done with us yet. From the days of our youth to the moment, from the moment we're born to the moment we take our last breath, God is with us. And God gives us purpose and He gives us meaning and He gives us hope and He gives us strength. And so even as the psalmist says, when I am old and gray, the prayer is don't forsake me, Lord. Don't forget about me. And what purpose is that? Why is He, why is He calling out to God in that way? It says so that I can declare your praise, your power to the next generation. Your mighty acts to all who are to come. You see, as, as grandparents, as extended family, for those who have, in a sense, been there and done that, you have the opportunity to then declare God's love and declare God's purpose and His glory and His goodness to your family. You can say, I've been through the hard times. I've been through life. I know what that's like. And so, so you can point then your family to Jesus. You can point your kids to Jesus knowing that you have been there and God has seen you through those things and you can share that with them. And so that is one way to extend Christ-like love, but it's also a way, the second point, is to share godly wisdom with them. So in your Christ-like love, trying to be that example for your kids, you're able to then share what you've gone through and share that wisdom that you've gathered. You see, experience is the best teacher, isn't it? Our experiences, they shape us, they mold us. We learn both practical and spiritual truths through our experience. Not only do we learn maybe some of the, um, not only do we learn what are some good things about raising kids and what are some, some of the things that didn't work, right? There's some practical wisdom that's gained. But, but for a life lived for Christ, for a life uh, devoted to Him, there's also spiritual truths and spiritual wisdom that we can gather and pass on to those in the generations to follow. See, wisdom is gained over time through experience. Wisdom is, is in a sense, greater than knowledge. Knowledge is simply just information, right? You can read all of the best parenting books in the world and still not be prepared to actually sit up through the night with a sick kid. Right? You can think you're ready, but you're not ready until you've gone through that experience. So wisdom is that practical application of the knowledge that you've gained. And wisdom is gained through that experience of that actual living it out. 
And we all have gone through different things. We've gone through, we all have different experiences, and so we've learned different things. And, and it's important for us to then be able to pass that on to the next generation. Mark Twain once said that we, we must learn from each other's mistakes because we don't live long enough to make them all ourselves. Right? There's some wisdom to that, right? And so, so as a parent, as a grandparent, you know, you've, you've gone through those things. You've been there. You've experienced certain things, and you've learned from it. And it would be a shame to just hold on to all of that for yourself. It's important to pass that on to your children and to your grandchildren. It's impossible to gain wisdom independently. And so we must rely on others to then to kind of supplement our own experience. And so there's there's important caveat here that I wanna I wanna extend to us all, and that's that's on the one side as 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 people who have been through been through life and, and, and had experience, we, we want to be able to pass it on and we want to be able to do it well. Uh, but we, as uh, those who are maybe in the other position, who are the younger generations, we must be willing to, to learn from those experiences as well. C.S. Lewis uh, talked about an idea called chronological snobbery, right? This idea that, that all previous generations didn't quite get it, but now that we're here, we have it all figured out, right? And we, we, that he was extending that to, to previous generations of the church or, or whatnot or, or previous generations of civilization. But, but I think that same sort of idea holds up in our own culture, right? We think the newer, the shinier, the better. And, uh, and, and so as young people, we need to pause and realize that there's a lot of wisdom out there. There's a lot of experience out there and there's a lot of insight that we can gain by simply stopping and listening to those who have been through it before. And so grandparents, you do have a wealth of knowledge to pass on to your family and to your church, so don't let it go to waste. And young people, we need to slow down and we need to listen. And Paul, Paul actually outlines what that looks like for us within the church context in Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. He writes, You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the same way they live, in the way they live, not to be slanders or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled and every, everything set them an example by doing what is good. In your teachings, show them integrity and seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Notice here that what the, the model that Paul sets up within the church, and I would say, is, rings true within our families as well, that the older men, the older women have something to share and something to teach the younger men and younger women. And we need to be able to work together and learn from each other in that. There's a lot of godly wisdom out there, and if we don't take advantage of that, if we ignore it, it's only to our own detriment. And so we need to form those relationships. We need to have connections within the family but within the church where we can share that wisdom and share that experience with each other. And so we need, to, we need to practice what we preach. We need to have the wisdom to know when we, when we share things and, and when it's time to maybe bite our tongue as well. Uh, maybe some of you grandparents, some of you, some of you out there who are watching your children raise children of their own know what I'm talking about. Right? That's, it's not an easy thing to know when to say things and when not to say them or how to share that wisdom. I'm not saying don't share it at all because we desperately need it. <laughs> but how you say it and when you say it is really important. You know, we talked with parenting about how as your kids get older, there's this sense of, of letting go a little bit. There's a need to, as they grow to be teenagers or young adults, right, you can't make all their decisions for them anymore. And so there's this sense of, of kind of pulling back and letting go and letting them kind of figure it out for their own. Um, but that, and that, that same kind of concept rings true here too, right? There's, there's a little bit of a letting go. There's a little bit of, of letting go of control as you're watching your 
own children, raise children of their own. But that doesn't mean you don't say, you know, that doesn't mean you're just completely out of the picture either. There's still responsibility. You're still a parent to those parents, right? And there's still a lot you can do to help and, and, and contribute and give advice and guidance. And so it is important there to, 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 to find that balance between letting go, but also speaking truth and guidance into those situations. And, and so as, as young people then too, we need to be willing to receive that when it's appropriate and when that time comes and not be so closed off that we have nothing to hear, nothing to learn from, from our parents. And I would say the same kind of concept rings true within the church as well. In the same way that grandparents must take a step back and allow their children to make their own decisions and learn to parent on their own, so too can our, as I, the, the phrase I used before, our seasoned saints, right? We, we, they can allow younger church members to step in into leadership roles within the church. But there is a big difference there, though, between the family and the church. In the church, there is no, there is no retirement, in a sense, right? We all still have roles to play. And so in a church, what that looks like is, is, is our seasoned saints and, and that younger generation of leaders working together side by side coming together and leading the church together so that they can continue to pass on their wisdom and their guidance and prepare that next generation for leadership. That's such an important thing to do and so critical to the health and to the future of the church. And we see that in Jesus in his own ministry as well. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sends the 12 out to do ministry on their own. They had been with Jesus for some time. They had seen what he had done, they had heard him preach, they had heard, excuse me, all about the gospel and the kingdom. And then Jesus says, all right, now it's your turn. Now go and preach, go and heal the sick, cast out demons, do all the stuff you've seen me do. Now you're able to go and do it on your own and report back to me. In the same way, uh, grandparents, you know, need to, need to kind of send their children out or their, give their children space to, to figure it out on their own. We within the church also need to, to, to raise up young leaders and, and equip them to, to serve alongside those who have been there and done that before so that that godly wisdom and experience can be shared and passed on to the next generation. So we've seen Christ-like love. We've, we've, we've talked about godly wisdom being passed on. And the last thing I want to share with you, talk about today, is, is about leaving a lasting legacy. You see, in this passage of, from, from 2 Timothy, where Paul is writing about Timothy's mom and, their, and his grandma, you see that there is a legacy that is being passed on from generation to generation. That faith is being, being passed on. And, and it's a reminder that our decisions, are, are, we have an ability to have an impact for generations to come. Our decisions have both an immediate and a long-term impact, Right? Both, I'm talking about good and bad decisions here too. I'm not talking just one or the other. I'm talking about everything we do has an impact and has a, uh, an immediate impact and has a long-term impact. And there may be some immediate consequences or immediate results from decisions that we make, but it also sets a pattern for future generations to follow. And any, any parent knows this, that children soak up everything. They're like little sponges. And so you, they begin to say the things you say, right? And that's both good and bad, right? They begin to do the things that you do. They begin to, to notice how you respond in situations and you do the same thing. And they do the same thing. Ellie and I have, have laughed to ourselves at times watching Josephine and like she'll respond in some way and, and we're like, that's, that's us. <laughs> like we're, we're seeing a little, little us running around doing, uh, and responding in certain ways. And that's, again, both good and bad. But our children, they, they soak everything up. And, and that's true when they're little kids, but it's also true as they get older. Right? Our, we still watch our parents. We still observe what they do and how they live their lives. And we follow suit in a lot of ways. And so grandparents have an opportunity to set an example for their children and their grandchildren to follow. In Exodus chapter 34, Moses has an encounter with the Lord, and as the Lord's passing by, he, he declares his name to the people. 
and so in, in Exodus 34, verse 6, he says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation. See, within the character of God, there's this idea there, there's this principle that's being taught that our lives have an impact beyond just us. Our decisions have an impact beyond just us. And so as we, as we seek after the Lord, that's going to have a positive impact for generations. God, God allows that to happen. And so as we set godly examples for our children and our grandchildren to follow, they're going to, they're going to see that example and, and the Lord willing by His grace, they will follow suit. And that's going to have a, an impact for, for generations to come. But in the same way, the, the decisions we make and the, the sin in our lives and those things that are, are not good for our families, we're, our families are going to experience that, the consequences and the result of those decisions as well. And that those things will be felt for generations to come, too. Now, I do want to clarify, I don't believe that, that what Scripture teaches is that the children are guilty or responsible for the sin of their parents. That is not true. There's a story in the Gospels where Jesus and the disciples encounter a man who is born blind, and they ask him, all right, why is he blind? Was it his fault? Was it his parents' fault? Right? They had this idea that, of this idea of cause and effect that he was blind because he or his parents must have done something wrong. And Jesus rebukes him. He says, no, this man, it's not the fault of, it's not his fault or his parents' fault. He was born this way so that God would be glorified. And Jesus goes on to heal him. And God was, in fact, glorified as a result of that. And so I don't believe our, our you know, your, your children or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren are, are, are going to experience the guilt or they're, they're not responsible for, for the bad decisions you make. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to experience maybe the negative consequences or effect of that sin. Does that make sense? And that's, that's, a, that's a very difficult thing to, to grasp. And, that, and it just reminds us of the, the, the weight of, of our sin, right? Um, and, and that is going to carry on and, and have an impact for generations. And that sounds terrible, right? I, I, it sounds awful. And, and it sounds like there's no hope there, but there is. Um, because we can also have that positive impact as well. You know, we, we see, you see in families, you heard of families that have been broken by generation after generation of, of alcohol abuse or, or other kind of um, crutches and sins that, that have affected. And, that, and it seems to be this pattern that has formed over and over again. But then that pattern is broken, Right. There's that generation that, that does not fall into that trap, that do, is not, is not, does not follow that pattern. And there's hope there and there's joy there. And, and, and then they set a new pattern for their children and their grandchildren to follow. And I share all this because, because the decisions we make, the way we live, <clears throat> is a legacy that we are going to pass on to our kids. And so children... Uh, get back here. Children are not responsible for their parents' sins. They are not guilty, but they certainly do experience the consequences and the aftermath. In the same way, children don't skirt into heaven on their parents' faith. They must take ownership of it themselves, but they will certainly benefit from the positive impact of their parents' faith. And so I say all of this, I share all this, because I want to encourage you to think about the legacy that you're going to leave your children and your grandchildren. I want to encourage you to leave a spiritual legacy. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, it says, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. You know, we, we talk about wanting to leave our kids something, right? Our grandkids something. Um, and, and, and if you're able to leave a, a monetary or material inheritance, praise God, that's a wonderful thing. But I don't think our concern should be so much how big of a trust fund we can leave our kids, but what kind of spiritual inheritance they will have. What kind of legacy are we leaving? Are we pointing them to Christ? Are we preparing them to live a life for him? Or are we, are we, not, uh, are we setting them up for failure in that sense? want to take a moment and share a story about 
my grandma Lyons, my mom's mom. Now, I did, Allie and I have come from, as I said, grandparents come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, and, and your experience with grandparents may differ. Um, I come from a family, I'm, I'm younger in the generation, and so all of my, all four of my grandparents, uh, are gone now. Um, uh, one, one grandparent I never even had a chance to meet. Um, the others were all gone by the time I was in high school. Um, Allie, on the other hand, her four grandparents are still living. In fact, her great grandma just passed away last year. And so she had a very different experience. But, um, and so my grandparents are gone, but I still have some memories of them from when I was a child. And, and I remember my, my grandma Lyons, um, one time talking to me about wanting to see me baptized. Now, I did not, Grow up, I was, my family was not attending church at that time. My mom was raised in the church and, and my grandma had a very strong faith and, and, and I remember, um, her talking to me when I was probably, I don't know, in third or fourth grade talking about wanting to see me baptized. And I remember at that time thinking, oh, that's just crazy grandma lions, right? Like, didn't know what she was talking about, why that was so important. Like that, it didn't register to me. I didn't get it. Um, but I knew even, even if I thought she was a little crazy, maybe I knew that she was praying for me. I knew that she was praying for her family. I knew that that was something that was very important to her. And I wanted to, you know, at least honor her. And so, you know, I, I, I respected her for that, you know, as, as best a third grader can. Um, it wasn't until later in life as I, as I grew and came to know the Lord and began to attend church and experience that for myself that I truly understood what she was talking about. And I truly understood the the care that she had for not only me but all of her family and the and the and and how often she must have been praying for us and and the and crying out to the Lord for her family and her grandkids and looking back whether, even though i didn 't realize it at the time, that was the legacy that was the spiritual inheritance that she was leaving for for me and the others in our family, and the impact that she had um, well, is still being felt today, even though she's no longer with us. And so I want to encourage you to have that same kind of spiritual legacy. I want, you know, think about not just your grandkids, your children now or your grandkids now, but think about your family two, three generations down the road. What kind of impact do you want to have on your family? What kind of spiritual legacy do you want to leave? And, and how can you work today to make that happen? In Third John, verses 2 through 4, John writes this. He says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Just imagine 50 years down the road and you get an opportunity to take a peek and, and get a glimpse of, of, of what your family is like, even if you're long gone at that point. How much joy would it bring you to know that your grandkids, your great-grandkids, your great-great-great-great-grandkids are walking in the Lord as a result of your faithfulness, as a result of the spiritual legacy and the impact that you left behind? And so what can you do today to leave that kind of impact, that leave that kind of legacy? How can you be praying for your family? How can you be setting that Christ-like example? How can you show Christ-like love and, and pass on godly wisdom in order to leave that kind of legacy? We often think very short-term, I would say, when it comes to the impact that we can have, the kind of impact that we can have not only in our families but in the kingdom of God. And what I mean by short-term is we're talking the next 20, 30 years. I want to challenge us to think in terms of decades, in terms of what kind of impact we can have within our families and within our church a hundred years from now. What kind of legacy can we leave and what kind of stories will they be telling about you and about First Church in generations to come? And so not only within your families, but I want to challenge us as a church to think in that way as well. How can we continue to have an impact as a church in this community for generations what can we do today to set ourselves up to still have an impact years and, and decades and even a, centuries down the road, God willing? We can do things today. We can, we can begin to move in that direction in order to have an impact like that. And so I encourage you today, I encourage us 
as a church to think in those terms as well. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for um, the opportunity to share about grandparents and share about the the impact that they can have on the lives of, of families. Lord, I pray that you would help us all to live out Christ-like love and godly wisdom and, and leave a legacy. Lord, whether we're grandparents or not, help us to live into that and make an impact for generations to come. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. In closing, let's stand and let's sing number 284. They'll know we are Christians by our love. benediction, I just want to encourage those who are able to stick around and, and after the service we'll be decorating the church and, and the ministry center for uh, the Advent season. So if you're able, we encourage you to stick around and help out with that. With that being said, um, I don't think it was announced, but I know it was in the bulletin. My Sunday school class will not be meeting today in order to help out as, as we're able to be a part of that. So now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You may go in peace.